Rodney, what is on your mind today? Moringa leaf. Mm-hmm. That's right. Nope. Moringa. It's this, there's a Moringa trees in Africa. I'm not sure what part, but they grind the leaves up and people make teas out of them. I throw it in my protein shakes. <laughs> that look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. So like two teaspoons of Moringa is uh-huh. the same as a cup of spinach from a nutritional standpoint. So calcium, magnesium, whatever, whatever the hell else is in spinach, spinach. So it's just super, super nutrient dense. So you can, you can eat a lot less of it and get your nutrients because that's a word. Mm-hmm. I like to throw it in my shakes mm. and it's very, it's very, very earthy. Like mm. it tastes like eating dirt basically. Mm. Like I, mm. my wife doesn't so much like it as I, mm. I can, I can just do it. Very yeah, it's green. A, it's a good very, sa- very green. Good. It's a good sales pitch. Tastes like oh, dirt. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm out here telling the truth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> buy it or not. Welcome back or welcome to More in Common, if this is the first time joining us. We are a podcast that seeks to inspire thoughtful and honest conversation that leads to action and positive change. Ultimately, exposing that we have more in common than that which divides us, even if rooted in differing points of view. Uh, You can check us out and all things associated with us at our website, www.moreincommonpod.com. That's moreincommonpod.com, where you can even find ways to support us for merchandise and and, uh, and our Patreon page. Um, So, before we get into today's episode... Let's go. Let's go back to Alana. Going, Air going. Time. Let's do it. So, Alana, two what? main things that stuck out for me. Yeah, that's what you're gonna yeah. ask, right? Get after it. Let's go. go. Jumping go. in. Good energy. The just her comfort with with exploring these these uh, difficult difficult topics of of exposing what she sees black people as and allowing people to enter that space specifically white people and non-black people to enter that space and ask questions and ask her questions and try to understand it and understand what she's doing and being comfortable with that that was really uh, that stuck out for me and then um, and that's something that she's really gotten better and more comfortable as she's released the golden age yes which is yeah. really cool yeah and her growth and maturation there and she's I think she's still trying to figure out how she's gotten there and secondly uh, two of the portraits so afterwards we got to go on a, on a tour my family and I uh, led by her and two of the pictures that she took were of two mixed women um, both black and white and we got a picture of our daughter in between them before we even knew that they were mixed like she is and Alana later talked about the screening of the first time that uh, her the golden age movie was out and the woman one of the women stood up and talked about what this entire photo shoot meant for her and it it was an opportunity for her to show outwardly to others what she's always felt um, and how she's always felt she looked and represented Um, but she's never been able to display that until this happened and it was powerful that it meant that much for her personally and as I saw my daughter in between that and after I get that note um, looking at it later it's just kind of powerful and I, I want to find avenues for helping my daughter be able to represent who she feels she is um, as early as possible in life. But um, yeah, that was a big thing. It's good. It's good. What did, uh, 
what did you take out of it? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was uh, associated with having the conversation about how you to process the social events, especially... Who, the, oh, me and Alana? You and Alana, yeah. Uh, especially um, when uh, unarmed black people are murdered or shot by police or you know choked out or shot in the back or whatever the case may be. For me, these are inhumane things that generally happen. But having that dialogue really gave me and hopefully our listeners a good insight from two folks obviously you don't speak for the entire community on what it's like to to see that and and what it means to process it so that i mean that was one of the things that stuck out especially as i constantly try to build my skills of empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, then, of course, the response that you guys had to my my suggestion about pictures of white slaves, but uh, <laughs> this I think was a I little. I feel it in my body as you say it. I'm like, ah. it was it was a, a little bit more than we may have released out there. Um, so it was. Uh, I don't think everybody got that same experience, but it was it was definitely f- an interesting moment that I was absolutely not expecting when I brought it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and you yeah, know what? It's so a good idea. It's actually a good idea. I just was yeah. like, I like doing this and I don't want people to shut us down. And I feel like if we <laughs> had anything to do with fair. depicting white slaves, they'd be like, who was responsible? Yeah. Yeah. Shut yeah. them down now. So, who do we have today? Yeah, what's going on today? So, today we're with David. Uh, David is a quarter Native American. He lives in Seattle. He's a, a super family man. Uh, he's very unique in his awareness of who he is and what he thinks. Uh, you get a really good sense of that right off the top. Mm-hmm. He's a scratch golfer, which is frustrating when you're playing with him and you're not. Um, a successful executive at a large tech company. Uh, he is a real close friend of ours, and we're excited he decided, decided to join us today. And what did we talk about? We talked about his theory... Notice the emphasis on theory about uh, Kaepernick's responsibility for getting Trump elected, which is all of a sudden relevant again because, hey, look, football's kicking off and there are more anthem protests. So, we we get into that a little bit. Um, Keith just mentioned that he's a quarter Native American. So, we talk about that and what, what that means to him. Talk about hard work and his work ethic and uh, the ties to his dad uh, being in the military um, what else? We get into some. We, get into we, some other we talk. We talk a little politics. Yeah. The difference between Republicans and Democrats, and what voting means to both parties, especially with midterms coming up. This is a this is a good segment of the conversation. We talk about identity, and um, you know, just self awareness in general. So, oh yeah, and community so, versus personal priorities, and yeah, there's some, there's some so, good stuff in here. Super excited as always to bring the episode and uh, enjoy enjoy the show. What is your favorite thing to tell or ask a young person? Oh man, what they uh, what they did today to make them to make themselves better. I get to do this every day, right? I walk Parker to school, uh, pick him up. You know, a lot of people ask, "How was your day?" And that's that's somewhat meaningless. If you ask what you did today to make somebody else better or or to better yourself, actually think about it. Even first graders. When we, when we leave, when we drop him off at school, we say, hey, Parker, what's your job today? And he says, uh, be kind, 
be brave and stand up for what's good and right. That's his, that's his thing. So when he has a bad day or like he gets, has an incident or something like that, what'd you do to make somebody better? And he goes, I didn't stand up for what's good and right. And I was like, what is that? It's like in this very like sheepish voice. Welcome back to More in Common. Uh, David, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The first question I want to ask David, I want to get right into it. You you have this theory yeah. that <laughs> is the reason. <laughs> I was told I wouldn't get to talk about this for a while. <laughs> Who Keith, said that? No, the, the, I just, the, you, yeah, you the producer, you know what I'm saying? You my man over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you have this theory that Kaepernick I do, I do. is the you, reason you, Trump got elected. Sorry, Keith. Go ahead. No, go for I mean, it. No, no, I just listen. listen. I've, I've heard this spiel. We, we, as as you know now, we we are well acquainted with David, and I've had this conversation with him. So please enlighten us. Well, I've not though. I only that know that true. he thinks Kaepernick is the reason Trump got elected. That is so true. That's- so okay, so there's a couple factors, and 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 let me let me first caveat that a theory is one of these scenarios where you kind of brainstorm ideas and you try and poke holes and or you surround it. So I actually like to consider this Kaepernick got Trump elected more factual than theory, um, but. Oh, we've gone past. Yeah, but I've already convinced myself that this is a pretty strong argument. Um, No, I mean, there's a couple factors, right? But I do think that the Kaepernick scenario um, and and his positioning uh, is is one of the key factors that led and rose to more Republicans kind of coming out um, to the to the polls to vote. Or and I shouldn't say Republicans in general. I should say more people that would side with a Trump based um, election process as opposed to a uh, Hillary or or Bernie process, right? Um, and in fact, mm-hmm. I think you would see some people even voting for Trump over as a because like the best of the worst candidates because um, Hillary was on, on the other side. And I, and I believe this because uh, Trump is, he, or Kaepernick did two things, right? One, uh, he, he decided to make a stand, quote unquote, make a stand um, as an African American where he, he's not, his opinion either wasn't valued or didn't represent, so much of middle America that was already tired of the Obama administration. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. He, he's a African American who made a stand, which is just in, in a lot of people's minds, maybe perpetuating this uh, process of what Obama started. Okay. So that's one. And then number two is he did it with football and he did it with the national anthem. And, you know, those are two like undeniable rights that, some Americans feel you're not allowed to touch. Like you've messed up my football experience with this political garbage. And number two, you stand for the anthem, which is actually the more fascinating conversation. Why all of a sudden we've decided that the national anthem is so sacred, like as a, as a body that, that we as a country decided that the anthem was so sacred that the, the first time that somebody quote unquote takes a stand. Okay. Um, is the time that we're going to blow it out of proportion and, and really deliver that these guys are anti-American, right? And, um, a lot of people saw that and, and made the decision. This can't stand. We need someone with a backbone. We need someone who can implement, you know, rules on these wild, wild west so that my football doesn't get all messed up. 
Um, and coming from, you know, a military family, like there's no way you'll ever catch me not standing for the anthem because of what it means to me. Right. But that's right. And what it means to my family, but that that's nobody else's priority peace. Like I'm not saying that everybody right. else has to feel that. Right. Um, what's interesting is that you can't tell me that there haven't been other people that haven't not stood for the anthem, whether they're tying their shoe, whether they're on a knee to take a picture, whether they're just, you know what? I just, my hip hurts. <laughs> okay. Like I'm going to sit down here. Right. It's like, um, and this has happened. And the fact that he, he decided to make this kind of social stand, right. W- without, you know, as I believe really truly end to end thinking it through. And the fact that the country reacted that way, um, and that certain, you know, talking heads were able to, to really capitalize on that movement to get themselves into a position is, is just a fascinating, is a, to me, it's a fascinating study of how just human emotion and, um, intelligence, <laughs> um, and group and think. group think. And, and, you know, once that snowball starts going down the hill, which it already was, the Obama administration had put us in a, in a really bad position in some of those scenarios anyway so the a lot of social backlash yeah, already yeah, starting yeah and you felt and you could feel that like you could feel that um so well, some of us yeah. <laughs> some of us felt it differently than others sure yeah yeah anyway there's it's yeah so anyway anytime you want to talk facts about trump getting elected because of cap that's fine though you know so but that you being said, said mm-hmm. you said you grew up in the military yeah yeah Tell, tell us where you come from. Where, where, what branches? Where? Yeah, and we're yeah. I'm from. Um, my dad was in was in the Vietnam War. He served a couple tours um, in the in the Vietnam War, and he's uh, he's a pretty strange individual in general. Um, but and, and a part of that is just based on how he was raised, right, and how they moved all the time as as a family. Um, and so, um, yeah, but he served. And he was he was over in Vietnam doing some artillery work and. Um, you know, and and to this day, I mean, he doesn't wake up in the middle of the night or anything of that nature. But he he has memories, right? <laughs> like he, you know, he he has things and he has pictures, and I'm super proud um, of what he did, and 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 what he experienced and went through to help make other people better and and improve their existence. Um, and that doesn't say that he believes in it because he doesn't. I mean, I can remember as a kid. I yeah, I remember ask. when I was a kid, he said, if we ever go to war and there's a draft, you're going to Canada. I, I, I can remember to this day what I was sitting and doing when he said that to me. And um, Is is that specific to war or to war. Vietnam War? Yeah, war in yeah. general. So, as a result of serving tours, he has seen the perils of it and therefore is adamantly opposed to it. Is yeah. that fair to say? Yeah. 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 I mean, big time, um, um, real life experience of seeing what war does. Um, and then thinking through w- what's the net objective of, of this, of this war. Right. Yeah. And I think Vietnam was like a, a, a particularly challenging, um, you know, scenario there because you did have this, jungle battle that um a lot of people didn't see an end game to right um Mm -hmm. and so and we lost a lot of lives as a as a result so i think both just violence in general is is a is a bad thing and then number two the reason being why why should you go represent this country and put yourself and your family at risk uh, for something that we can't we can't define the end game for 
How did, so there was a lot of, I'm curious of how this impacted you growing up. There was a lot of backlash towards Vietnam vets when they came home yeah. as a, you know, you just talk about a symbol of something to everything that you just said, yep. right? People who didn't fight and, you know, it's like, okay, you're fighting in this war. You are a symbol of what is wrong with this war. Yeah. How did that impact your dad and ultimately how, how you kind of have perceived you know, just kind of the nature of, of opinions on war. And, you know, you go back to this Kaepernick conversation we just had and, and just kind of the overall sentiment that can be backlashed towards veterans. Yeah, talk about group think gone wrong. Yeah, I, but I, blaming but I the think vets. So that that's the issue. Like, blaming the vets is, I mean, I don't really get riled up at that much. Like, riled up. I mean, I obviously have energy and, and passion around certain things, right? But I don't ever feel like you're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, fundamentally, you're wrong un until I see that scenario around um, the vets and people not showing, you know, respect or, or appreciation for what they do. And, you know, I think, you know, in the case of our parents' generation, there was a draft. Like, you turned 18 – um, and you you went to war if your name was called. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, imagine what that looks like in our day and age, right? Imagine how to explain that to your kid. Like, hey, if you work hard, you can grow up and go to school and, and, and maybe you'll get good grades and, and maybe you'll be involved and then you'll get to go to college and then you get to have a job and then you get to meet somebody pretty and you get to make babies and you get to, and you get to leave a legacy. Or in the middle of that, somebody who you don't know in an office that you didn't elect is going to tell you to go put a gun in your hand and go kill people on his behalf. I mean, that's crazy. So like to think and to have a backlash against the Vietnam war to the people who, you know, <laughs> were like tapped on the shoulder and said, this is now your job. Congratulations. Right. Here's your spot on the assembly line mm -hmm. is so ridiculous to me. Right. Um, now that doesn't mean that some people weren't jumping to go to war. Um, my dad, while he was not like, I'm super stoked to like get me, you know, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the airport early. You know, my dad was, was 18, was out of high school, didn't have a skill or a trade. And he heard that he could get three square meals a day and, 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 a, and the same bed for a while. I mean, that, that's fairly attractive to somebody who moves around a lot and comes from a house that didn't have, um, all means to their end. Right. So, you know, while he wasn't, stoked by it or happy for it it was something to do and if you and if you talk to him about it he'll tell you it was something to do and at the time hmm. if you've got something to do or nothing to do you, you typically choose the something um if mm -hmm. if it can provide and protect you right so so you're a quarter native american mm -hmm. yeah. is your dad yeah native american so <laughs> that's an interesting uh, tie in to getting drafted, sent to war as a. I mean, I, I would imagine he's one half Native American. You're doing the math. You're doing the math. The You're doing the math. Strong. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, as, as a, you know, so he's very much involved in the Native American community at that point and the, the impact that the the country has had on on native americans in the history of this country mm -hmm. and then he gets sent to war mm -hmm. like how does that how does how does that play for him and then how does that ultimately go to you 
and your perspective on other people, on the country, on just life in general. Yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah, I think there's two there's there's two sides to that, right? Is that he obviously um you know looked a little different than than some of the boys from Alabama that were coming in and um and then you know that that was something that he you know immediately experienced and already being an introvert like he is i think that that was probably part of his um i think he was he was excluded already just based on his his personality and i think that his 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 look at that time was a little bit like interesting i i don't i would not say that he was tied or wedded to the tribe, right? This was a time where our family after generations had kind of grown through this process, right? I mean, um, the, the tribe itself and, and had already relinquished some lands and already had already had opportunities that they had thrived for within the U S institution. Right. So, you know, to this day, he's way more white man than the native American. Right. And, and I think that that happens as bloodlines thin and as, as people get settled. Um, and I wouldn't say that there's any sort of hard feelings there. If you're in an institution, right. Um, you protect the, you protect the institution. I, I would say that about my place today. Uh, you know, I live in Queen Anne in Seattle. We were just, you know, talking about that. I live in Queen Anne, which is a suburb of Seattle. Like if Seattle comes under attack, my city's under attack. I, I don't say, Hey, no, no, no. My house is on this hill in this corner. Mm-hmm. And so I'm peace. I'm, I'm, you do what you need to do down there and I'll figure that out. Right. Like if, if, if your, if, if your institution needs support and has chosen you to support it, um, you forget at a certain time about bloodlines. So there was no hard feelings about the, hmm. and that's, my family's personality in general, there's no hard feelings about what happened to us as a people. Um, or, and I won't even say us as a people, what happened to my grandparents and my great grandparents as a people, um, at this stage of the game, right? Like there probably was a hundred years ago and there were probably some hard, um, scenarios in there, uh, that they had to work through and, and, and function through. But, but over time, you know, if you can't forgive, it's a really hard, it's a really hard life. If you can't forgive and kind of progress, it's a really hard life to live uh, in in all aspects. And, uh, and I think my family so, has done that. So you say there's no hard feelings. Um, you mentioned so like he got some opportunities and he wasn't necessarily uh, aff- affiliated with or, or or in the tribe. And there was the family like the family kind of moved away from the tribe. What does that look like? I I don't have. Any every like, every history of, of point yeah. of reference yeah. for I mean every history of what of that Native even means Americans had this experience happen every every Native American in in what we would call kind of the Western Hemisphere had the same experience and you lived on land you survived and you supported and you had your infrastructure built up and then somebody came and told them it was theirs not yours and it could have been tens of years hundreds of years thousands of years where your ancestors had lived there. And in all of those scenarios, people are, are, are displaced in some mechanism, um, some emotionally and some unfortunately physically, right? They, they pass away. And, and, and the Quiet Tribe had a lot of scenarios there where they were displaced and there was, there were people that were, were, were killed. There was also the scenario where that trade off means I get now, um, as a work of you coming in, now I have a, I have function, there's community, there's infrastructure that's coming in. And while I'm positive that my great, great grandparents didn't say, yes, please take our land. Okay. Um, this sounds like a good trade to me. I'm positive that they were, we are where we are. 
let me see what I can take advantage of within this new institution of the white man coming in and taking this land and, and where I still have my freedoms, where I can push for my freedoms and, and, and where I need to stand pat. And like this thing's, this train's coming. Let's try and figure out how to work with it. Yeah. And, and I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. We're talking, I mean, this wasn't that long ago, right? The the mid late 1800s, like you you had two choices. You kind of adopt and accept and you grow. And I guess it depends on who the person is who's coming in to take your land in, in general, right? What their temperament looks like, um, or what their growth mindset is. Um, but you could go West, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't like it. I'm gonna keep pushing west, and I'm gonna push into oh, somebody. Right, I'm right, gonna push yeah. into somebody else's land. I'm gonna push into somebody else's land. Mm-hmm. How do you feel then about you know? Because it, it sounds to me, I mean, your your experience within the native a Native American community is very different than maybe a lot of other people, especially those tribes that did resist this movement that said, "I'm taking away your life." Um, you either, um, you assimilate to mine or something bad's going to happen. It sounds like your tribe fought more to maybe more individuals in your tribe. Maybe the whole tribe fought more to assimilate to say, Hey, this is the situation yet other people didn't. And how do you feel about the resistance? Yeah. Cause to me, like I, I personally, I, I'm not in any of those situations. So it's all hypothetical to me. The idea of assimilating to assimilate, it's like, no, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, you're, you're telling me to do something that I haven't done for way longer than you came along. Mm-hmm. And now you're just telling me you've got a better way. Mm-hmm. You've got this, this better way because of these variables and. I'm just supposed to say, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Like I, I don't, I, I have a hard time reconciling that. I don't think alone. it was that. Simple well, and that's and is, that's what I would say. Clearly. In every situation, right? Like in every situation, there's there's a factor of assimilation and adoption of whatever's happening to you, and that's how that carries in our society today. And then there's mm-hmm. a part of you, there's a part of resistance and fight, and we're not going to stand for this. And 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 by no means was it a hey, welcome, come on in, we'll brew some tea, <laughs> you know, we'll hang out. Like a, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, got some yeah. of these tobacco leaves for you, like a- sure. absolutely right. And I bet, and in fact, I know for a fact there was at least one generation there that was like, ain't cool, we ain't down for this, like this isn't going to work for us, right? Um, and that's part of this process of of growth. Now the the flip side to that is. I could carry two things on this and I'm sure my ancestors did carry two feelings on this one, a lot of hatred and bitterness and frustration and, and the white man sucks, you know, like I, I could do all that. Right. Um, and, but to me and how it affects me personally, right. And how it just like it yeah. affected my dad or, or my grandpa for that matter is they were both put in situations where they could go out and get jobs. They could live in a house. You know what I mean? Like they could drive cars, you know? Um, How, what kind of opportunities allowed that? No opportunities, hard work, discipline, right? Like this is one of those scenarios where I said to my dad, dad, you're 50% Native American. Like you should file paperwork and then you could get like a a trade program or you could actually get cash from like these protected tribes. You know what I mean? Like you can get, if you're Native American, Mm -hmm. you can get cash. You're paid a lot of money. I said, hey, go out and and figure out, you got to just file your paperwork. I ain't filing any paperwork. (laughs) Like, 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 this is not the, this is not their way of, of, hey, just because I'm this, um, ancestry or, or something like that. something is deserved on me like something is is beknownst to me right and if i didn't like it then i would leave um and and we 
we want to be optimistic. We want to take advantage of every opportunity that we have, but that's built out of hard work, discipline, focus. And, and if you're not able to execute those things, then you have to make decisions that trade off. Again, if my dad wasn't in a position out of high school to go do something else, he wouldn't have gone to Vietnam war. He would have gotten a job. You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> instead he was like, the best I have, this is the best option I have. Right. Um, so off he went. So uh, from your great grandfather to grandfather to father, um, there is a, I'll say a thinning of yeah, the yeah. bloodline. Like, so it's, they're going from straight up indigenous native American and, and looking mm -hmm. as such to your dad. He's half what? European melting pot. Fondue. The rest is yeah, fun fondue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so like as those generations pass, what's the, um, the sentiment changes? Like I'm sure from, like you said, the, the sentiment changes towards the white man and the system, but also ability to yeah, assimilate. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah? The, the acceptance. I mean, because your father could pass more than the his acceptance. father, right? Yeah, the acceptance. And I, and I want to be like super clear about this. Like when we talk about assimilate, it's much different. You don't just appease any position you're in. You have a choice, a fight, right? Or, or, or work, right? And you've got, you've got this constant devil and angel on your shoulder that says, is this worth? Am I in a position where if I do X, my utility or what I get at the end is going to be Y? And everybody has two paths in every decision they make, right? And in, in that scenario, uh, and, and in a lot of scenarios, you fight. And you, and you say, no, I'm not interested in that. And you, and you, and you choose option A. And a lot of scenarios, you're like, you know what? This might work out okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't actually have to go out and fetch my own water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's scenarios out here where there are people that help or infrastructure or systems that can be put in place to promote you. And that could be access to education. That could be access to doctors and, you know, Western medicine, if you will, right? Like, that could be access to um, transportation and infrastructure and new types of food. Um, and if you think about people and who's been wronged, yes, the Native Americans have been absolutely wronged. Like, there's no doubt about this, right? But you will find to a T a lot of really, really hard feelings about that um, from most of my family. Mm -hmm. Really hard feelings, very bitter, angry, upset, hard feelings about that. But then you'll get that lean back in your chair, right, with your cup of coffee and say, but we all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we, we're going to be okay and we've, we've officially made it, right? And so, I feel proud of everything from my family. I feel every ounce of where I came from and some of that drive I have within me from my ancestries, right? Some of my poor attitude about specific things or um, my inability to take direction well, I think comes from <laughs> those things I feel, right? Um, and, and I'm not a pacifist. Um, and I think it is because of my heritage and because I believe in my heritage. But I, you know, if you were to say, hey, do you believe, are you more akin to the fact that your family 150 years ago had their land stripped or do you feel more akin about the fact that um your dad had to go fight in a war that he didn't believe in which one would you choose that you were more affiliated with i, I cannot choose that you know what i mean like i couldn't mm -hmm. i can't choose that just like if somebody threatened my family today i would feel more attached to that motion than either of those two you know what i mean like yeah um 
Yeah. And, and, and that's where I think like just that growth of development and assimilation has to occur. Like where your value chain changes as evolution evolves, as, as, as society and your, your principles evolve. Right. So, so one thing I know about you is you have a passionate approach to owning who you are. Yeah. And you do what you do as to not necessarily negatively impact the things around you. So within that, it seems like you have this, this, uh, marriage of personality traits that's one individualistic it's like i do what i do to make the best for me but at the same time it sounds like your immediate community your tribe the ownership of of that military alliance based on your pride for what your dad did and what he accomplished and you know and in making the best of what he made is is as true as your own individual progress How, a lot of people don't do that right like a lot of people you see it's like i i gotta do what's not what's best for the community what's best for my ecosystem despite maybe necessarily what's best for me or i just gotta do what i gotta do and i'm gonna take care of myself and i'm gonna make sure my family's taken care of like my kids and my wife how do you balance that yeah well i think there's there's two things right uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I mean, I, I think there's a couple angles I would take at it is if you ask me today kind of from a value chain of what I believe in, it would start with my wife, right? And it would start mm-hmm. with – because she's the anchor of, of of all things that make me feel lucky, blessed, fortunate, you know, on a path. Okay. Um, secondly, then would be our kids, right? That is um, That is super – important to me to see this next generation and to see them smile and see them grow into being decent human beings. All right. Um, and that is the value chain, right? That everything centers around that anchor of our home life. Okay. Um, as an extension of that. And when I think about, I want my sons to have the best experience, best life possible. I want them to make an impact in, in society the same way I try and make an impact in society. That means you have to protect society. That means you have to protect your community. That means you have to be passionate and show empathy and engage and you have to ask hard questions of people right um you know you can't just bunker up in your living room and be like i don't want to go outside this is where we live this is our existence so if you think about everything i do as a person as a human being is all for a better means to an end for my family it is very selfish okay (laughs) like very very selfish in that regard and 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 i am at peace with that Okay. Like I work and I work for a company that I really enjoy and that I like, but, but I don't do it for free. Okay. I do it because I can, you know, create a better experience for my kids. I live in this city and I support our local school districts, our local policies, our local politics. I'm involved in all that stuff because I want my kids to be okay where we live. The day I leave Seattle and we go and we move to Pittsburgh. Okay. Hey, Seattle, be with you, man see you like you know what i mean like that's it i'm out like i got no there's no connection to me to this city like there's nothing um yeah so like i get it super selfish um but i'm okay with that i've earned that right in my mind um and i think that again being active and helping try to make the world better place in general I don't do it because I want that person who's across the street to have a, a better existence. I want that person across the street to have a better existence so that my family 
right? Has a better existence in their presence. And mm-hmm. it starts with your core. And then how many people can you influence so that when they come across an experience with your people and your core or what your people, what you want your core to grow into, they see that they model that behavior and it impacts them in a positive light. I think, um, what to me is, is fascinating about that is that, you know, you see it a lot. There's a battle between, Oh, why aren't you doing more for other people? Why aren't you doing more for your community? And then you have this battle. Well, I've got to take care of mine. I've got to take care of mine. And they're, your approach to doing more for the, we'll call it the greater good, doesn't necessarily have to be all rooted in empathy for strangers. Correct. Right. It doesn't have to be there, but the importance of it, whether you're doing it for other people, which is a, a noble cause and mm-hmm. you're doing it completely selfishly, selfish, totally. selflessly. Yeah, that's good. But at the same time, it's still important to do for selfish reasons because all of that stuff that's happening around you, if you don't make an effort, it will come back to hurt your, your circle, your core. Oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I think also, I think you know, the, the flip side to that is I really admire people who are so selfless, right? That they, that they forego having a family, they forego chasing a career, that will put them in a position to help exponentially more people. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, my wife is a, is a first grade teacher, you know, I mean, she doesn't make great money, but she's influencing the society in a, in a great way. She could make five times the amount of money by going and getting some corporate job. She would hate it. Right. The trade off is that she would stop working sooner, you know, and be able to kind of enjoy her life. Right. Um, and, and I admire people that, are out super selfless and go out and volunteer and commit their entire lives to movements. Like I, su- I, I think that's just such an amazing quality that some people have. But I also, again, reverting back to my value system, mm-hmm. it makes me feel sad. It, it makes me feel sad that they can only feel up. They can only feel high when they're in this social framework where they feel like they're enabling and supporting and driving the success of thousands of others that at the end of the day, then they go home and there's nobody telling them that they're special. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that in my mind, that's how I play it out. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like it makes me feel sad that they don't have a core that's theirs and theirs alone. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I've got this great deal of admiration and respect and like, man, we need thousands upon millions of people like this, right? Like you really need, this is, Change is not done with blog entries, right? Change is done with, you know what I mean? Feet on the street and people yeah. taking action and being decisive and holding others accountable to, to, to that same action. That's how change occurs. And if you don't have people out there that are dedicated to the greater good, first and foremost, change cannot persist. Okay. It just, it does not, it does not progress. So I have a ton of like, admiration for that. And I wish I was that way. I wake up some days and I wish I was that way. Probably like, why? Because because it's it's thought of as it's a thought of well. There's a, well like here, um, I mean, two things, right? Like I've always been this way. Never, I've always been selfish. And if and if you think about a core, and I have a core of friends that I grew up with, and something happens to that core, okay, the impact to your view or your your acceptance into life is shattered, right? Like. 
Like if you've got five things in the world that you care about and one of them goes away, 20% of your life mm-hmm. is empty. You know, if, right. if, if you are out there serving the greater good and there's a big mission, like a big target, I want to kill littering in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you've got a thousand initiatives that you're trying to. And you know what? If one of them doesn't work, a tenth of a percent of your core in your life is gone. You know what I mean? Like you can move past that. You know what I'm saying? Like I got another 999 I can go off and tackle. If something bad or disruptive or is taken away from your core, like the percentage of your life that you lose is, is, is huge. It's so, I mean, we're talking about identity, right? And, and like the, how people attach to it intrinsically, extrinsically, and it's possible, like, uh, let me ask, do you think it's possible to have, say, I'll go air quotes, the selfish approach yet, not like, or hold a smaller core of things that are valuable to you that maybe form your identity, yet you still have a strong intrinsic view of who yeah. you are that that girds you that 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 strengthens you against say one of those things being attacked or hurt or or mm-hmm. missing um i mean cause it's possible i think to still ha- to have a thousand things and still have no uh internal yeah. core that still makes you vulnerable oh, for even though you still no, have those stuff. and i i think i think that's a balance that you strike like I, I, granted someone takes your core away from you your core is your family and any anybody that takes a family away that's that's going to rock anybody um but at the same time you you have that going back to my original that my previous comment you have that commitment to self how do you how do you find that and you know, make sure that that to Rodney's point isn't rocked because you, you've been able to, to kind of build that on your own. Does that go back to your dad? Does it go back to, no, no, I, know, I, the struggles you've had. Yeah, I think as a kid growing up, it goes back to experiencing loss and experiencing tragedy and trying to figure out like, you know, should it have been me? Uh, am I, am I better suited to carry forward making the world better now that I'm here? Or, or should I be the one gone? Right? Like, you know, you're, you're always, I think balancing to a certain extent, like how do you respond to, how do you respond to conflict? How do you respond to loss? How do you respond to tragedy and or anger? Um, and part of that is a big chip on my shoulder, right? Like that legacy of, of those who mm-hmm. came before me, both in my family and with my friends and with people that I know, and had personal experiences with who taught me to, to think, to taught me to be kind, to taught me to do the right thing, right? Like all of these things pile into who you are as an individual. And again, when one of those things is missing or when one of those people didn't have the same opportunities that you have, which is how we think about it with social justice. Like my ancestors and my, my family and my friends early on didn't have the same opportunity to be, you know, fighting for social justice and to be fighting for every man. Um, that me not taking advantage of that isn't, isn't not protecting my core. It's disrespecting what created my desire to have a core in the first place. Hmm. If that makes sense. Like hmm. I'm disrespecting the opportunity that, you know, I was chosen, right. That God has put me here for, as opposed to driving, like, you know, where you're going to grow up and get 
stronger on your own without feeling accountable to something else, to something higher, to a process that built you who you are. You know, that's, that's what I think about. It. And, 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 and I think at a huge level, this is what we're experiencing in the country right now, right? This, 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 this Trump versus the world uh, scenario, right? Where like people are very passionate about what their core issues are. You know what I'm saying? Like they're very passionate about this and somebody to assimilate that Trump is, you know, let's say the, the, the Trump's not the, not the brightest bulb in the shed, whatever you want to say, like, Oh, Trump's an idiot, whatever that is. Well, that's because that, that person's core issue is, is at risk in their minds. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's the hardest part to convince people is that you can't convince me that my core is incorrect. And what I, what I believe in and what I stand for is, is incorrect. I, I welcome the dialogue. Well, I think these sorts of scenarios are important to talk through. Um, I welcome the dialogue, but, but I, I can't foresee myself being convinced otherwise. Right. And people who get very passionate about issues and experiences are based on what they've seen, based on their experiences, based on how it treats them. Right. Um, and that's, you get this racial divide. You get this, um, you get this sexism divide, you get this, um, money and, 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 uh, ancestry divide. You get this country divide because of people's core fundamentally being different. And then the inability for people to accept that your core is your core. My core is my core. And we cool like, because we're, we're in the yeah. same space. And if you don't play nice and I don't play nice, both of our cores are at risk. You know, I, I think it, it's a great way to explain the the purpose of not going into a social situation with the expectation of changing someone else. Just because you think a certain way doesn't mean I should and vice versa. What we ultimately need to do is determine what things we both care about that we can attack with vigor, knowing that we're not going to agree on everything that we ever talk about ever in life, right? This, this idea of, of group identity is something I struggle with yeah. because I get the group has this natural state that wants to stand by certain principles all the time. But those principles all the time don't always apply to me. They don't always apply in this, this sentiment of greater good. But if we don't, if, if we don't have a better way to create that individual difference in a socially acceptable model where it's not detrimental, right? Like if you're going to come to me and say all black people are bad, like we're going to have a problem. Right. They, they, we're For not, sure. we are going to be divided on your simple mind that says other people shouldn't exist just because you think yeah, for that's sure. the case. For sure. Right. But when we really start parsing out the details of our differences. Yeah, for sure. No, I, that, that identity thing that I, I, the whole thing, like all, all I kept thinking about as you were going through that, David, was like, oh, that, that's, that's the reason single issue voters, it, like, that's why that is a thing because I attach myself, my identity, my core is this issue. It's taxes, it's abortion. money, it's abortion, it's um, Christian values, it's uh, liberal values, it's whatever. And that, like, that's that one thing that I identify with. That's, if, if that doesn't exist, then who yeah. am I? 
Yeah, and 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 I want to put muscle behind it, right? Like it's not just if that doesn't exist, who am I? It's that's where I have energy to to, to produce, right? That's where I have energy to support. Um, well, yeah, because if it's not there, then what am I doing? What am I doing? What do I what, like? Yeah, yeah. what's what's my tomorrow? Totally. Look like? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Keith, Rodney, thought so. You the group identity thing. Um, I immediately thought of the Patriots. You're a big Patriots <laughs> fan. Oh, good. Yeah, uh, let's use a simple example. <laughs> simple example, yeah. right? Like you like the Patriots, yeah. you like Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. Yeah. During the campaign, the Trump campaign, Brady had a "Make America Great" hat in his locker, which he got a lot of yeah. blowback for. Belichick supported Trump. Yeah, you don't like Trump. No. How did? But how did? How did you? What was your reconciliation process for that? We've never talked about this. This, this is a really good question, and. Um, oh, yes, and I, I'm putting you on the spot. I appreciate you asking that question because this is a hard thing because at first my body cringes. <laughs> like, ugh, right? Like, because I am a big Patriots fan. I love the the team because I love sports and I think there's a lot of energy that can go into these sports. And, you know, when we talk about, though, that conversation we had recently about the identity towards a sports team – it, which ultimately oh, you mean like that thing when people say we uh, yeah, we, yeah, we, we won, won. <laughs> but that what that ends up creating is this identity against others right like i'm a patriots fan so yeah screw you you're a jets fan it's like oh we can have friendly banter right about you being a jets fan or you know uh, so we can have friendly banter about it but i'm not going to attach my perception of your identity just to the team that you support in the same way that's kind of how i ultimately told myself to get out of my own way right is tom brady wants to support donald trump i don't i we talk about this which is actually unclear it is unclear because his wife certainly very clear about her non-support of donald trump but it's possible that they disagree and it very much is belichick has been more as my craft has been more outspoken and i don't like it but that's democracy right they are entitled to their own personal opinion and i'll be honest I like football. I like the Patriots. Like, what, quite frankly, does that person's political opinion have to do with my enjoyment of something? Like, I don't tie my enjoyment of the Patriots and my enjoyment of watching Tom Brady to their support of someone I don't support. That's the nature of democracy. And we could talk about, oh, there's negative consequence of that and all that. But we're not talking about Tom Brady going out and, you know, watching kitty porn. If he did that, my moral repulsiveness towards him as an individual yeah. would be through the roof. I wouldn't be able to support him. I would still be a Patriots fan, but I wouldn't watch the game anymore because so long as they keep him on the team, they're complicit with his actions. I'm going to take a step back from that. Right. I may end up waiting until a new owner comes into play because that is a, a morally reprehensible action that I cannot stand next to. Right. But you're saying support the, uh, the art. You can, you, you can separate the art from the artist. Exactly. Right. It's this whole idea never get to know your heroes, but your heroes should never be someone you don't know. Right. Like 
you know these these famous people put I've on never these, heard that before. these famous people put on these facades that they ultimately create for public perception so it's like i really want to be like you and then all of a sudden you get to know him a little bit tom brady's a weird dude right like i'm a big tom brady fan but tom brady's a weird dude it's like eh, i don't know i don't know if i want to be like that right like i don't know if that's kind of my style so all of a sudden he's less of a hero to you but why is he a hero in the first place he's just the quarterback of an nfl team he's just really really good at what he does well i mean isn't that the, i like i've heard the first part of that i've never heard the second part of the i've heard never never meet your heroes like i've heard that um but it's we're all people like we're all That's pretty it. weird at some level like, to me to me the political association right and this kind of goes back to this principle like you voted for trump do, do i all of a sudden have to tag you as a racist do i all of a sudden have to tag you as this evil human being and associate you with the out group that i'm not a part of or can i actually get to know what it is that you're actually standing for and i may not agree with it but ultimately that's the nature of our country, right? Like if I'm standing for the national anthem, that's what I'm standing for is your right to feel that way and think that way and have that democratic principle of voting for someone you're allowed to vote for because they are part of the political process. I, I'd rather find out why you did versus just saying, nope, I don't like that you did. I'm not going to be a Patriots fan. Anymore. Yeah. So like the, the political aspect of the Trump scenario, right? Like, we should, we should chat about this. I, I listened to your guys' podcast, um, about, uh, gun, about guns. And yeah. this is like really funny. Hey, man, let's talk about guns. Hey, bro, let's talk about guns. Um, <laughs> um, you know, this is really interesting. Like, and this is where I think our society has gotten a little bit for the better, for the better. Like, when I say kind of down a, down a different path of thought process, I, th I think it is for the better. I think it's better to talk about like how these things impact you. But you guys were talking about like, do you like guns or do you not like guns? Should guns be allowed or should guns not be allowed? Which is, which is, which is a great debate to have with a group of people, right? Like, <clears throat> you know, why don't you like guns? Why do you like guns? Right? Like, this is a good debate to have, but it's not about having guns, right? Political aff affiliation is not about whether or not you like guns or you don't like guns. If, you know what I mean? Whether or not totally. political affiliation totally. is about, do you believe in big government making decisions on your behalf or do you not believe in big government making decisions on your behalf? I right? mean, that's the basic principle of Democrats right. versus the Republican party, wait, which wait, wait. we don't but talk about no. enough, right? Does that still yes. stand anymore after yes. recent see, I policies? Yes. Tell me, I tell me why you guys well. disagree. So I would, uh, I would argue that the Republican Party is for smaller government unless bigger government benefits them. So. Yes. Uh, by its core, the idea of smaller government would thus say, I don't want to impose on an ill uh, an action of abortion right like that we're gonna make the the action yep. legal because you have the individual choice to have it but instead i am going to get involved in that simply because i'm morally opposed to it right and this goes to an argument that i've been thinking a lot about is this difference between morality and legality yeah, yeah. we don't have to go down that road today, right so that that would be one one example or just just the overall desire to influence the the nature of the direction we're going as a government entity is a big government action 
right? And doing so by instituting policies, they do still institute policies that break down federal government, but at the same time, they institute policies that build it up. So there's, there's a conflict there. On the democratic side of things, there, it's this whole central government to protect all people, but they don't necessarily always fight to protect all people and institute policies to make that happen and fight for a core value set that really establishes that. And they're not financially, you know, necessarily bloated because they do want to try to trim down the budget and deficit. So th- it's murky. You have your high level principles, but the actions don't always support those high level principles. Well, and then just super recently, like this current tax plan, like I look at this plan as uh, a a big government way to force smaller government in places like California, where I live, where we love taxes, as I like to say. And now, or as a result of the current tax plan, which has a lot of things in it that have nothing to do with taxes, interestingly enough, but the... Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the conversation over the next couple of years goes as a result of the federal tax plan at a local level. So, it's almost it, it's almost like, hey, we have Republican control, so we can put some things in place to force smaller government using larger government, which is a little bit contradictory, but also it's the way our That's system right. works. It's the way our system works. And and the Republican right. hierarchy, like in the principles, like, like Keith just laid out, is it's not necessarily about a, a smaller government. What it is is it's giving power in theory to the individual entity of the state, right? Or the individual entity of the mm-hmm. county. Like this That's is like true. how Republicans, tr- Demo- Democrats, traditional, right? Republicans are very tradition- traditionally traditional in their regard with like relationships with Christ and, and the, the morality issues are, are a fine line and everything else should be handled at the, at the local people's level, right? Which is, which is a different philosophy. And, and the Democrats come at it from a, those local entities need policing because if we don't do it, they won't mm-hmm. do it themselves. Right. And this is, this is one of those things like just because you believe that the state should have more power doesn't mean that you think Donald Trump is a great public speaker. You, you know what I'm saying? Like this, like, right. Hey man, like I actually am for um, what we're doing as empowering, you know, local action because again, it's my core, it's my community. It's where I'm most you know, associated with and impacted with, you can still have an affiliation there, but not be like a Trump super fan. You know, I just had this conversation a couple weeks ago. Like we were all kind of like minded. We had a president before Trump named uh, the Barack Obama. Um, and, and one could say that in our lifetimes, he, he, he changed the world. Like, you know, he, he literally changed the world. And, you know, the outside in would say, here's this man who is super hyper intelligent, articulate, uh, you know, very, very focused on problem solving. Okay. And man, did he represent kind of the hope that's possible within the US, the first black man to get to get elected, right? I mean, did he, did just audacity of hope, like, did he just embody that American dream of what's possible? Okay. The flip side to that argument is, and I'm, you know, this is a longer conversation than we're probably going to have time for, but his presidential, like, legacy was fairly ineffective, like, depending on what you value, right? Like, if you value equal rights for LBGTA community, peace, like, he won there, right? Like, he pushed that stuff through, right? If you value 
um, not being in conflict in wars that he inherited, that he inherited. Yeah, he, he did not win that. Okay. Um, no, he, he definitely perpetuated that a, a you, little you know bit what I mean? with, like, with some drone if, strikes. If, and drone if music. you look at the scenario of, and the, listen, he's the only president in history to have eight, like two term president in history to have all eight years where we're in conflict. Now, again, he inherited that. That's not his issue. Right. But only president in two term history, you know, Trump is so outspoken about, what he's doing in his approach. And I think it's, I think he knows where his audience is. I think he knows that these people, well, yeah, they want an outsider. They want a change agent. They want somebody to come in and shake it up, like not doing things like they want. Like, and you know what the top things that Trump was like chastised for his sentiments towards immigrants in the country, which I continues to perpetuate through the this first This is a fascinating scenario, this, this perpetual... Build a wall, baby. Build a wall. Everybody knows him as building a wall. Did you know that George W. had promoted a bill, right, to build 780 feet of, mm-hmm. of wall beforehand? And did you know that Barack Obama actually signed to put that into play? Like... And he... Deported actually more, more illegal right? immigrants than Bush this is, yeah. this is one of these yeah. scenarios where like if you say – like if I said something like that to somebody who was hyper pro-Obama, they'd be like, you racist – <laughs> elitist yep. and i'm yep. like no 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 yep. i'm pro obama my man my man is yep. good you know what i mean like he's done a, a lot right but um and you even think about it on the sense of like <clears throat> like race relations in the country which is kind of the foundation of i think your guys's ideology with this with this experience part of us would look at it and say he did more for race relations in this country than anybody has ever done he showed that a black man can rise to power in the most important position in the u.s and he can bring so many people along with him. He can convince and bring so many people to go out and vote for the audacity of hope that we can enable as a country. And you will find just as equal number, or as it turned out in the last election, more people to say that he damaged, right, our race relations as a country because of the backlash against him, against his policies, against his background, against his heritage, against um, letting the people rise up. Right. And that is sad. Like you think about the macro environment of, of the United States. This is, there's nothing united about like voting one way, despite how bad that way is, because you have a personal vendetta or problem or issue with somebody's background. You know what I mean? Like you can't be more uneducated and ignorant than that. Right. Like you, you, you can't possibly vote to cut your left arm off. Okay. As opposed to you having to carry somebody else's bag. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. Right. You know what I mean? Like that is where this concept of identity that we were talking about earlier of assimilation versus versus fighting doesn't make any sense to me. To, now, again, that's to me. I'm not saying right. wrong for people are wrong for thinking that or whatever, but it doesn't make any any sense to me. No, I think it 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 ultimately doing so really ends up breaking down um, civility. We associate whether we like somebody or not. Not based on their like you can look at this election as the number one representation of I I can't stand Hillary Clinton. I don't trust her, so I'm gonna vote for Trump. Or vice versa. Regardless, I, I would argue this is probably the number one election where you had the anti vote more than the pro vote. Like I, I'm not voting for Trump because I believe in his I'm voting it. I'm voting I'm against voting for, I'm voting against I'm, Brock's legacy. Right, I'm and, voting against Hillary. I'm it totally right. mm-hmm. And vice versa. And if you're voting for, to your point, you know, separating the policy of the party from the individual that's running it, right? 
Like there are a lot of people out there that voted for Trump because they believe in the policies that he represents. Not, 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 I don't necessarily like the way he goes about it, but he represents the policies that I, that are important well, to and, my identity. Yeah, and this is really, this is really interesting that you say that, right? Because if you think about like, we, I, I believe he's a Republican on ticket. You know, if you go back to the early days of the debates, he's not a a Republican, man. This man, no. Remember the debates. Remember the first debates, like there was 10 of them up there or whatever, right? And the moderator went around and said, if you weren't chosen as a Republican nominee, would you switch to an independent? And to a T, they go, no way. Nope, I'm Republican. Nope, I'm Republican. Gets to Trump and he's like... Yep, I'd go independent. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Hey, I'm going to be running. I don't care. He doesn't yeah. care. This is my core. This is my identity. And Republicans have had to try and figure out what are we doing with this guy? You know what I'm saying? So, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the reason why this, like, divide is so important and why, like, race is at the core of it and why Kaepernick got him elected is because people can go and they can vote for a persona, right? They can vote for a part. And, and, and here's kind of the core difference, right? Ask a Democrat what their job is. What's your job? I'm a firefighter. I'm an accountant. I work in a software company. I, you know, I, I work in a fast food restaurant, whatever. That's Democrats will tell you. Ask a Republican, like a real Republican, what their job is. And they will tell you their job is to vote. That's their job. No Republicans are missing an election. It's just not what they mm-hmm. do. What we saw with Barack was that he was able to pull some people from the right. And convince an entire generation of non-voters. A whole bunch of people that never vote. Yep. To vote. I mean, that he is- He got Eminem to write songs about That it. is amazing. You know what I mean? That is amazing, right? Now, what happens when he's done, right? He, we don't get the poll from the right for, in the Democratic Party. We don't get the, and we don't get the people who show up um, who didn't vote before. And this is like a really important scenario. Like this assimilation to what's happening in our country- it's different. Like Rodney has a different experience than I do, right? <laughs> like he just, this is like, I can't, Facts. any anything, yeah, anything that happens to Rodney, I can't be like, well, you're, you're, you're not looking at it the right way. And my pastor, our pastor said to us one time after some of this recent violence that happened, and he said, you know that there's a difference here, right, between white and black. When I read something like that and I think about the injustice that's occurring, I think about how unfair that is and how dangerous of a position we're in as a society where we have to think about this and talk about it and execute through it. And he says, I think about it when I call my my friends that are pastors that are black. And at the end of the day, when my son leaves my house and he drives and he gets pulled over, okay? He's going to have to have a conversation. There's going to be a series of consequences he's going to have to deal with. Whatever he did, he's going to make that out, right? If you're a black man and you're driving, you get pulled over. That pastor has to tell his son, shut up, look forward, stay straight, do not screw up. And it's a matter of life and death. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I get pulled over and I'm like, I didn't even see you there. You know what I mean? I'm flailing my arms. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. worry about any of that. This pastor actually has to take the time to tell his son. Don't say anything. Don't look sideways. Don't be disrespectful. Keep your hands on the wheel. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. just please assimilate because of how you look is insane to me, right? Like, that to me is just so heart-wrenching about our society. And this divide gets bigger, right? And for anybody to say that they experience that or they know what that looks like, you know, I have this conversation with my friends all the time, just like we do with colleagues with work. You don't like it? Peace, go. Like, if you don't like where you work, you don't like where you live, you don't like Trump being your president, go to Canada. And I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. Go create your own solution. I, 
Go create your own solution. It's easier said than done. I get it. And some people have more opportunity than others. I'm at peace with all that. There's always complications in every statement, right? But if I ever need to feel bad about Trump being my president, go out and do a, 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 a search on the internet, Bing, Google, whatever you want. Go out and search for Syria baby war and tell me your shit is bad here in the US. Tell me it. Tell me it is. Okay. Go out and do that search. Take your, take your safe search off. Okay. And, w- and look at those images and tell me that you feel like we've got it really bad here in the U.S. Whoever is our president, whoever is our governor, whoever is our mayor, whoever is our neighbor. Um, that's That like pains me to think that we're the best of the best and we're still not that good. That's, that's like shock and awe. What are we doing? You know? I think that that's a good like personal adjustment statement, like because that's true. Like Syria, there's still genocides happening, and like there's always been some type of a race war or or genocide happening in Africa based on like just or, or what's happening in in Tibet or what's happening all over. Like there's tons of things all over the world. That doesn't necessarily, however, mean that things couldn't be better here. Of course. Of course. And, and, and I, and I think, and I think different to that. Like, let's extrapolate that. Things couldn't be better here. We're the United States of America. Things should be better here. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Mm -hmm. this, this, this just roll with the flow and be like, man, I wish things could be better or things could, the audacity of what is possible in our country is a philosophy. And the more that people think of it in that terms, of boy, I pontificate about what could be possible versus we've earned the right as the USA to be better. You understand? <laughs> like we have a responsibility well, to the rest of the world to be better. And and here's a thought: like you asked, what are the biggest things against Trump? Like for me and for a lot of Black folk, like when you say "Make America Great Again," like so you're talking about the audacity of what what should be. I I see that statement as let's go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there ain't nothing good for me back there. Mm-hmm. Literally, like 40 years ago, mm-hmm. my grandparents were like probably slaves mm-hmm. or, yeah. or, or working for shit that they didn't have any control over or they couldn't drink out of the same water fountain yeah. as, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's nothing good for me back there. Yeah. People getting lynched because they look like me yeah. and they talk to a white woman. Yeah. Like, so... And and I know there's economic prosperity and we could talk about with the value of the dollar and gold and we could talk about that separately. But at the same time, like that statement doesn't net out equally for everybody. Right. That's right. You know, we talk about that's Democrat, right. Republican. I think Democrats are missing a lot right now. Like with Hillary, a lot of black, like I'm sitting in the barbershop in Inglewood and everybody's like, okay. Uh, how many of y'all are, how many of y'all have family members in jail right now because of three strikes? Yeah. That's, that's Bill and Hillary. Yeah. And they're like, there's no way we're voting for her. Totally agree. There's no, we're not touching it. Totally agree. The black community was decimated by that. Totally agree. Decimated. As is your tax structure. As is your, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But I think, and it comes up to and Latino Latino of, community is pretty, hit pretty hard with it too. Yeah, there's that 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 perspective of we don't have to think alike, and just because you think one thing about one thing doesn't mean you think the same thing about everything else. Mm. And breaking down that understanding does not say I. There is no way on earth you and I, David, are going to ever think 
like Rodney yeah. as from a personal experience perspective. Yeah. Like I just I can empathize, right? Because I'm an em- I'm an empathetic person, but I cannot say for certain and I cannot tell him at the same time don't think that yeah. way because we're good. Everything's good here. I have a I have a unique fortune to say everything was yeah. good. I was born into a good family, raised by good people by great fortune, right? Like that I did not make that choice. I did not I did not wake up and go, here I am in this yeah. world. I'm going to go to this yeah, family that's, right. that's really good, right? Because we can all make that choice. I was surrounded by a circumstance that enabled me to make bad decisions and still survive yeah, on it. That's right. right. And, and ultimately bring me to not everybody's got that. And I can't tell Rodney, no, stop thinking that way because America was great one time and you've got to stop thinking about you know, Jim Crow, you've got to stop thinking about slavery because, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. It's like, no, wait a second. When we ultimately do that, we create resistance that doesn't need Mm -hmm. to be there. And ultimately, we create an us versus them mentality that says, don't think that way. You think wrong. Well, screw you you then. You're thinking wrong. Mm -hmm. And now we've broken down any possibility of actually looking at each other and going, yeah, no, I'm for a strong dollar. I'm for better education. I'm for healthcare. I'm for healthcare and what that actually means, right? Like, oh, wait a second. So, how how do we come to come to bear and oh maybe we don't mm-hmm. nominate mm-hmm. hillary as our representative mm-hmm. or maybe we don't nominate trump as the representative for the republican party because hey wait a second this isn't an us versus them mm-hmm. thing this is a, a legitimate thing that we need to be concerned with and actually act not based on personality but based on policy uh, but rodney you were going to say something oh yeah well like earlier david because you had mentioned like uh like your your father's mentality and your mentality is kind of like you know, that happened, but I'm here and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to, we're going to. We will overcome. I'm not going to, I'm going to choose to not be bitter yeah. about what happened. And that's how I was raised. So, I have like this schism of like my parents taught me how to assimilate as much as possible for a brown skin person yeah, yeah, in right. the U.S. Yeah. And, and do those things like work hard, find mentors, blah, 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 work to be successful and at the same time, I know that there are forces beyond my control that could absolutely undermine that. So, hard work for me and, again, choose your own solution like I believe that is what I can control and what I'm giving access mm-hmm. to and exposure to, right? My vision and my desire to work hard and do good and be a better society member and be a better dad and be a better husband and, and really put it like, again, I choose my own solution will never be 100% foolproof, right? Because there's all sorts of external variables and value chains that are different than mine. You know what I'm saying? So, like, and, mm-hmm. and, and, so you, and to your point, it's important to accept. Yeah. Those. It's important to understand them. It's important to learn about them and, and realize, Hey, there's a, there's an opportunity or we can live in the same place with the same common goals, but have fundamental beliefs that apply to my life. Yes. That don't apply to yes. your life. So, we have to wrap now um, because I think we could continue to talk with David mm-hmm. for for another six hours. Six um, hours. But we really – I mean, this has been an awesome conversation mm-hmm. and, you know, we really appreciate your life insights, insights on specific topics. And the thing that I love about this conversation most upon initial review as we continue to close it up is the demonstration of complexity in all things that we can't just simplify by 
categorizing and saying that is what it is because that's what I think it is without challenging the way you think about it by simply having a conversation with someone who either agrees with you or disagrees with you, but give yourself an opportunity to have challenge of thought. Which so, which really, it, it, that highlights it's what, that highlights what we're trying to get to. I know you mentioned earlier, like race is, the, is at the core. Not so much. I mean, it's it's important, but really I think we're we're trying to get to the complexity and behind all of this, behind the political affiliation, behind race, behind because it's all and it, it is all intertwined as you demonstrated in your in your responses. So thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. Like so like you. always, remember remember the tag, right? You want to get perspective, don't get offended. You know, that's oh. it. Get per, gain perspective. Not so. If we ask you negative. what we, what you would leave our guests with, is that it? Oh, for sure. Get perspective. Don't get offended. That's it. That's how you should live your life in any scenario. Get perspective. Don't get offended. So thank you. Um, this is as always more in common. We appreciate you listening and tuning in. And until next time, expose, evaluate, and evolve. M I C. Do 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 do.